Welcome to episode 24 of the Travelling Wellness Show. This week I'm back in Radelaide, South Australia and talking with environmental illness guru Rick Hopton. Rick is the guy you call when your health questions can't be answered and current modalities fail to offer acceptable solutions for a host of chronic symptoms ranging from asthma and sinusitis right through to daily headaches and fatigue. In this era of technological advancement that we live in, it really is no surprise that not all modern conveniences are simply positive additions to our lives, as many people find themselves battling symptoms that modern medicine alone can't explain. You are listening to Caravan Conversations with Shannon Brenton. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. Caravan Conversations is proudly produced by PSE Supplements and explores general health, nutrition and lifestyle with one of Australia's most experienced clinicians. Now, let's get into the show. Alright, welcome guys to Caravan Conversations. I'm Shannon Brenton, your host and owner of PSE Supplements. I'm here in Adelaide and I'm pretty pumped to be bringing you guys a topic that not many people get to even think about or ponder in relation to their own health. Now whether prophylaxis is what's important to you and you're trying to you know, live the best life you can without getting sick, uh, or whether or not you're actually looking at the addressing of acute or chronic symptoms, uh, most people will either A, look at these through symptomatic relief, creams, pills, etc. Or B, uh, if you're clever enough, and I hope you all are by now, um, looking to address the underlying root cause, which is generally uh, a systemic issue people are looking at. But what about when things fall outside of the normal? And this is why today I'm sitting here with Rick Hopton from Building Biology SA to discuss the environment, and in particular your environment, and the environments that you associate with and live in, so work and home and the like, which could be silently affecting your health without you even being aware of it. So, hey Rick, thanks for being here. Yeah, it's good to be here, yeah, thank mate, you. Mate, don't you go getting yourself all shy now, Rick, it's, it's all good, mate, people are uh, excited to hear from you. Um, mate, I'll just start by saying, uh, when you reached out to me about doing this uh, podcast, yeah. um, I was pretty excited. You know, I've, I've been around the game uh, long enough to know uh, what most target markets are out there in the uh, the health and wellness game. And, um, you know, I was pretty pumped, mate, to see someone who's actually going around looking at, you know, environmental factors in the home that, that influence people. Yeah. And I can just say from a clinical perspective, you know, uh, over the years, I've been stuck a few times. Um, um, quite a few, in fact, where, you know, people were not capable of overcoming disease with normal protocol uh, that would move them through specific things, you know, the asthmas and the chronic fatigues and certain conditions, which uh, are generally not that difficult to address, um, but they just weren't responding the way I thought they would. And uh, I have had case in point a few times where I've been able to pull it back to environmental factors, which yeah. which, which was quite significant. In 2014, I worked with the uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs, uh, mm -hmm. Russell Crowe's team, and um, I uh, actually used scalar wave frequencies uh, with the team for the year, which was the year they actually won the grand final Excellent. first time in 70-odd years. And uh, I know that uh, Madge, the coach there at the time, was a big believer in uh, what we did. Um, I, had, I was part of the team um, that had to actually sell the technology, in inverted commas, to the medical staff and to the performance coach and the people yeah. that were there. But um, I can just say in that, uh, in that form, the EMF effects, you know, in big stadiums like that, when there's, what, 
seventy odd thousand mobile phones sitting around, you know, sixteen players each side was uh, quite significant. And uh, using um, scalar wave frequencies, we were able to negate a lot of this and and aided mm-hmm. in not just performance but also recovery. So, yeah. Um, thanks for being with us today, mate. Um, I've got to say, like, this is like some next level feng shui shit you're into here, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it really is. It really is. So, so tell us, mate, about you because we'll get to uh, we'll get to the actual uh, topic of conversation. But obviously, there's there's generally a man behind these things, and you mm-hmm. don't you don't generally get uh, you know the average person just all of a sudden deciding to go home and and look at people's environment. So, where'd you come from, mate, and what's kind of brought you up to this place? Oh, it's a. Uh, uh, career path that's been really interesting full of all sorts of uh, twists and turns yeah um, I originally did isn't that a, always the way oh always <laughs> it's never meant to be easy well you know finished school with uh, too many choices it was you can do anything you want yeah and it's like that's too much I had no idea so anyway I uh, did an apprenticeship as a motor mechanic and worked for several fi- several years in that field and uh, looking at that, it's uh, identifying the problems with cars because it's not much good to sort of just do an oil change and send it off. If the engine's making a funny sound, you had to be able to identify what that was and give the you know client an idea of what the price breakdown was, what it was going to be, what we thought it was. Oh, you're one of those honest mechanics. <laughs> we were. Yeah. I haven't seen many of those, mate. But, you know, it's funny you, you bring that uh, that variance up because, you know, effectively, you know, it's it's just another, you know, quite unquote organism, isn't it? It's a, yep. it's a series of systems that when functioning uh, in, you know, smooth vibration, everything, you know, um, flows on to the next. And as a result, the engine, which is just a whole bunch of systems, yeah. works well. Well, it's electrical, electronic and mechanical. Yep. And if you think about the human body, we're pretty much the same thing. Yeah. You know, we've got the um, brain, which is very susceptible to electric fields yes. and impulses. It's just a little electric current that passes through. Mm. And then we've got the muscles and the bones and the joints. And so all this is part of our mechanical systems. And so things go wrong with that. And if you're only looking at the symptom, how can the whole system recover? And nowadays in modern medicine, we're so compartmentalizing yeah. everything that yep. everyone's know, looking at one system at a time. Yeah. Yep. You know, if you're getting a heart medication that upsets your liver, that's a separate department. Yeah. yeah that's know? right. So tell me, um, was your early role as a motor mechanic um, at this? I know that's obviously pivotal to the way your brain thinks and the way you view things you know in flow but um were you interested in health at the time or, or even <laughs> just your own health or did, what, what path did it take until we all of a sudden uh, decided to you know get out of the grease it was weird because uh i did my first massage course at uh the wea here in adelaide which was um the workers education association yep um when i was 18 and so at the same time i was doing my basic trade as a motor mechanic yep and uh, the two didn't really mix because it's not much fun having a massage while your hands are all greasy and cut to shreds and <laughs> calluses and things like that. Yeah. You know, and to work on somebody's face when you've got, you know, that heavy smell of degreaser on your fingers. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's almost as bad as a massage therapist that tears you apart with long nails. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's right I've received up there a few that. of those ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's right up there with that. But... Um, so I let that go at the time because it was of interest, 
but didn't fit with you know what I was doing at the time and I had a interest in music um you know I played poorly but uh through that started doing lighting for local bands around town in pubs yeah and fairly quickly worked out that hmm, income over a couple of nights balances out my income from a week of yeah. working on the tools yep and so I thought oh okay let's reevaluate all this and uh eventually I moved across to the UK where I uh, managed to get myself a job working for a European lighting company and toured throughout the world doing lighting for rock and roll bands. Cool. Mate, who? Name some. Tell me some. Oh. Any big ones? Yeah. Um, now I try and play this down a bit, but once you no, get I asked can, that question... Yeah, everyone, it, I can tell you just sitting here with this man, he, he's a real <laughs> player downer. Come on, mate. This is your time to shine. Well... You know, it, they were fantastic. It was Whitney Houston yep. when wow. she was at the peak of her career. Yep. Tina Turner, I did yep. three tours with her. Robert wow. Palmer, Spandau Ballet. Um, you know, Moody Blues. Uh, and they were all great tours, great bunch of people. And I was working with automated lighting. And so, again, it's mechanical systems, electrical systems, electronic, and troubleshooting and repairing that. Yeah. And... So I've had this common thread throughout my whole career. And once I got married and sort of settled a little bit, I was recruited to the head office in Dallas, Texas, where I was working in the R&D or research and development department, um, working with the new product, helping uh, get the uh, design spec right and making sure that they delivered with what they were expected to and unfortunately working with the uh, software writers and telling them that mm, it doesn't quite work like it's meant to. <laughs> Go back and fix popular. it. popular. Yeah, not not at all. So, But again, it's troubleshooting. Yep. And it was around uh, about that time in about 1998 when I first encountered um, a doctor that had an interest in building a... EMF secure building for people that suffered from EHS or electrical hypersensitivity Yes. so that they could live in an environment where they were protected from the external electric fields. And that was way back before mobile phones. So that was really interesting. And I can't remember why she asked if I was interested in... Um, being involved in somehow it was probably through at the time I was doing quantum touch which is an energetic healing modality mm -hmm. which led me into doing massage as I moved back to Australia okay with my wife and uh so I did I've been doing massage for 10 years now and also energy healing Again, it's all troubleshooting, working out what's going wrong with the human body on what level, whether it's the energetic level through to the physical, you know, frozen shoulder, sore hips, sore knees, what's happening. Yeah. Um, you know, we were chatting briefly beforehand about the uh, one of my favorite muscles, which is the psoas muscle. Yeah. How people just do not give it the credit or accept its... Full potential mm. for crippling people. Yep. Had a client in uh, just this week that had spent five days in hospital while they were trying to identify why she suddenly had 
massive back pain. Mm. They thought she had a spine infection. Yeah. And pursued all sorts of things. And in hospital, they really don't want to come down to its muscle. Yeah. <laughs> it never sits well. It's probably because they can't do anything about it, right? They can do nothing about muscle. Yeah. So... You and that, that's the same for viruses and the like, you know what I mean? If you get told you've you know, got a virus in the hospital, it just means you go home and the uh, the idea is going to be, you know, rest and water, isn't it? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yet there are people out there that can still deal with these sorts of things effectively. So so bring me forward now, if you can, mate. Let, let's sort of move into this, you know, world of, you know, environmental um, you know, componentry and, and its effects. Before we do, is there anything of my equipment here that's likely to kill me in the next hour? Or are we, <laughs> we doing all right? <laughs> no, this stuff's all... Pretty good. Um, it's pretty minor. Excellent. Is as far as you know what's. I'm a bit nervous about the stuff behind you, though. <laughs> mm, that's all off. I ah, mean, perfect. If your laptop's got Wi-Fi turned on, it's just increasing the you know base load around you. But mm, it's pretty minimal compared to being in a football stadium with everybody's. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, uh, the the average home, you know, if you, you come across people who are um, dealing with ill health, what sort of conditions do you find are relatable to environmental aspects? Um, and what kind of things are you looking for when you go into these environments? Well, before we get into that, as a massage therapist, I then went on to study um, building biology through the Australian College of Environmental Studies in Victoria. And that was something that Kylie Dodsworth, who you interviewed just, just recently, recently. Yep. Um, thought that might be a really good thing to do so that as a doctor, she has extra resources that she knows that can access people's homes because doctors used to go and do home visits. Mm. And when somebody appears with clinical problems in their practice, yep. it's hard to identify the full picture. Mm. Um, and Nicole Bilsma, who's the head of the college, um, was is a naturopath. And when she was dropping off some remedies for a patient and realised that there was mould running down the wall <laughs> um, and looked at the, the state dropped. of the house... And she thought, I have not been looking at why these children have a respiratory properly, a problem yeah. completely. So it changed the way she was working and she's done a fabulous job in um, bringing about a wonderful college with a nationally accredited program. Mm. So having studied that... It's interesting though, isn't it? Because hygiene is very individual, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like I know for me, if I've got a bit of mould in the corner, I'm the first one up there, you know, yeah. um, getting rid of it because I'm aware of it. I also don't like the look of the stuff, do you know? But it's funny how um, some people kind of just live within this realm and don't home, think about it. Home cleanliness varies greatly. What pe How people live is um, anything from in a stark clean environment to the hoarder mm. with 26 cats yeah that's right <laughs> you know and everything in between and you know one of the things to check on you know if a child's got a respiratory problem yep. and you've got a cat does the cat sleep on that kid's pillow yeah and you can prescribe all the drugs you like but as long as that cat's sleeping on the pillow that kid's gonna have a respiratory problem mm. So this comes down, comes back to your question about what do we find in people's homes? 
and it's it varies on the homes and people's sensitivities. Yep. Um, there's a geno, uh, genetic test which is part of the celiac test which reveals um, 28% of people have no capacity to build up antibodies for mould. So these people always get an inflammatory response and every time they're exposed to mould, it gets worse. Yes. So if one person in the family happens to have that genetic makeup, then they're the one that has the respiratory problems and the lethargy and the brain fog and can't function. Mm. And everybody else goes, well, we're fine. What's, what's, what's the problem? You? Yeah. you know, a little bit of mould never hurt anyone. Yeah. So we're... So this is, now we're talking strong epigenetic components, right? Oh, it's massive. Yep. And, you know, and then when we look at the electrical impact, we've got babies that crawl away in their cot from the baby monitor. <laughs> Saying something, isn't it? You know, so they've got the cot there and there's a changing table next to them with a the baby monitor on it and they put them down with the head first so it's nice and close to the baby monitor so yeah, that so they, they can, can hear, hear it. it. Yep. Every time they come in and check on the baby, it's curled up at the other end of the cot. Mm. Think, What's going on here? So if you move the baby monitor two metres away, suddenly the baby doesn't move anymore. Yep. Well, it's and, and still you, moving and moving. And breathing. you don't have to hear it cry so we can all get a good sleep. <laughs> exactly. So, and there's a lot of people that say, oh, look, radio frequencies have been about on our planet forever. Yeah. But, yeah, but baby monitors haven't. Well, it's the density of the field. Mm. You know, never in history has there been the radio frequency of a football stadium full of mobile phones. Yep. We've created that. Of course, yep. You know, and just like um, nicotine and smoking and asbestos, these were all wonderful products that later on people found, mm, you know what, that's not quite right. Mm. So equally, electric fields, electromagnetic uh, fields, radio frequencies, Wi-Fi invented in Australia, fantastic, but long term... You know, I think there's going to be a lot of evidence, a lot more evidence that comes out saying that mm, they're not quite safe. Mm. And if what, you're what's sleeping, the impact of Wi-Fi? Because I, I can't really think of a home that probably doesn't have it now. You know, you might have a house of, you know, let's say that you know the nuclear family two and two type scenario. Sure. You got two kids in high school. You got mum and dad. You know, dad works somewhere, mum works somewhere. Everyone relies upon, um, you know, connectivity for for their work, uh, and not just that, but their social interactions these days. And you know, their gaming and their Netflix and all the rest of it. Yeah. What what impact does Wi-Fi have in our home running twenty four seven? You know, what, what, what's it doing to us? Well, I think it comes back to the epigenetics that we talked about earlier. It's because some people are more susceptible to it. Yeah. And like mould, there's a certain threshold that once you get to that sensitivity point, it changes. And then from that point on, you become hyper electrically hypersensitive which means any electric field you'll be able to walk into a room blindfolded and point at the power points you'll be able to you know tell who's got the mobile phone with the um, wi-fi signal turned on yep and you can just feel it all and bluetooth has a similar kind of effect i'd imagine bluetooth isn't as strong okay you know but it you know typically the bluetooth receivers right on the ear yeah but that's uh 
a weaker signal than the mobile phone up against your head. Yeah. And people put the little patch on the back of the mobile phone and say, oh, this negates the signal. But if the phone still works, the signal's still there. Yep. And if it's on the back of it, then all the signal's coming out the front, yep. which is the side you hold towards your head. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, sometimes you just got to look at the stuff that people are promoting and go, well, how does this work? Yeah. And then other other things are, you know, something produces um, a waveform to balance out and um, override is often a term that's used, the existing fields in a home. And you think, well, that's just increasing the amount of frequencies that are there. Mm. But as far as sensitivity goes, some people are sensitive. And if you're sleeping with the mobile phone next to your bed it's the alarm clock that you're using and it's got wi-fi on it's better to be in airplane mode so that it's not affecting you yes equally the alarm clock that's plugged into the wall has a massive transformer and that magnetic field seems to have some correlation to um, brain tumors is that right so and this is one of the things that we studied in our course in our courses, there was a number of studies that showed that this was um, a factor. Um, and then we've also got the geomancy or geopathic lines, ley lines, Schumann resident, resonance, um, which does fold into the feng shui that you, you know, mentioned earlier. And it's the natural effect as well. But we break that up when we plough up the landscape and throw up a building. Yeah, of course. Yep. So suddenly that's all interfered with. And if we put down a concrete slab with rebar in it and then the lovely blue scope steel housing structure so termites won't get in <laughs> and we put a nice um, colour bond roof on it, we've created a Faraday cage. And so then you move into the home and you've got your mobile phone your um, cordless phone, which has massive strength. And if you're in Victoria or some of the other states that have a smart meter, all these frequencies are bouncing around within the home and they can't get out. Yes. So it's just magnifying it. And so then if people start to get a bit sensitive to it and start to feel burning, prickling, headaches, then it's hard to recover from that. Mm. So there's people that are moving further and further out, but then there's wind farms there. you know. And one of the other things is dirty electricity. And sometimes wind farms generate dirty electricity as they're generating the power. Tell me about, tell me about dirty electricity. I don't understand the, uh, the context. It's a crappy waveform. Okay. So instead of being a nice, smooth sine wave, yep. it's all jagged and bouncing around all over the place. Okay. And in a wind farm, this can travel through the ground and appear in a house some kilometres away. And there's a lot of contention about this, mm. but it can be measured. Mm. And then, you know, much like um, other problems similarly, the people that are living in it find out that they are really sensitive to this. So it becomes, where can we go? that's safe and then you know 
there's all sorts of other environmental factors. So, so are there things you can do? So, say you go to a place, you come to my place, for instance, okay? Sure. And I'm in a position where I've dug up the ground, I've put on the, you know, the, the blue steel home, I've put on the colour bond roof, uh, I've got Wi-Fi, I've got all these things, okay? Um, are there protection aspects you can put in place or is it about having to now reduce exposure to non-essentials? Like I can't knock my house down. You know, no, that's right. I can turn my Wi-Fi off. Yep. I, ca- I can have my f- my phone on aeroplane mode or I can just not use it as my alarm clock. Yep. I can not have a cordless phone because, hey, let's face it, <laughs> who uses them anyway anymore? Everyone's mobile-based, exactly. you know what I mean? I can yep. have limited amount of time on my, uh, you know, social media at night time mm-hmm. and, and I can not sit too close to the TV and the like. Are these all the normal sorts of things that we'd Definitely. be looking at and implying? Yeah. Basic rule of thumb is two metres away from the electrical source is a safe distance because okay. the field strength drops off dramatically. Yep. Um, if you can do away with Wi-Fi and just have everything hardwired, then that's great. Yep. But that needs to kind of be done in the building phase. Yes, of course. Um, you know, and as you mentioned, the old style corded phone, if you need that, well, that works in a power outage anyway, mm. except not so well on the NBN. So there's all sorts of things that can be done and with um, smart meters, if they can be put on the garage or carport or away from the house, definitely not on a bedroom wall. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's fantastic because the smart meter is basically a mobile phone that goes off every 20 seconds with a high-pitched, high pitched uh, Voltage what about the people who are going to bed with the uh, phone underneath their pillow because they're trying to monitor their uh, their sleep wave patterns on, on using an app? <laughs> That's going to be a problem, doesn't it? Fitbit Go on, on your Fitbit. arm. Yeah, another good example. You know, and then we've got a lot of, uh, let's say... Apple, Apple watch, smart watches and... Yeah. Yep. Well-built women that put their mobile phone in their bra yep. because that's convenient. Yes. And then 10 years later, they wonder... You know, if that was a factor to getting breast cancer, mm. you know, it's mammograms, you know, mm. x-ray the breast. Yep. So do you want to increase that by popping your phone in your in your bra as well? That's yep. just nuts. Always uh, interests me. It's funny you bring up mammograms. I'm, I'm quite anti-mammograms, which, which probably sounds quite unusual. But uh, I find that whenever a doctor does a mammogram or, or sends a woman for a mammogram, if they find something, the general uh, approach is to ultrasound it anyway. Yeah. So it's like, why not just have an ultrasound? Uh, the argument is that going to be is, better or not? The argument is the mammogram looks at a better depth okay. to give it better scrutiny sure uh the ultrasound is more operator um dependent okay yeah whereas the and they're actually looking at obviously one one source when they go with the ultrasound yeah that makes sense so but there are other techniques that are used uh through europe you know as opposed to the mammogram but you know australia's a little reluctant to take on new technologies even even if they're 40 years old yeah yeah. So, you know. We're always behind the eight ball over here on this little island, aren't we? Yes. So outside yep. of uh, EMF, I think a lot of people get EMF and the introduction of the amount of extra 
um, tools that we've just discussed. All these, it's all convenience, isn't it? Seriously, oh, everything absolutely. is about having a more convenient lifestyle. And the more I learn about humans and human physiology, the movement away from all that convenience is is, is really the best thing. Oh, like, but we're going towards smart homes. Yeah, I know. And with the smart meter, it's meant to connect to the fridge, to the yeah. stove, and we've got our. Yeah, now you can turn things on apps. while you're 20 k's down the road. Exactly. And, yeah. You, you can turn the oven on so that when you get home, it's ready to put the roast in. You can have the heat turn on the lights it's funny because when we go back say 50 years let's yeah. let's say for instance back to you know my, my grandparents when they were younger for instance when my mum was growing up um, the sorts of things we we're looking at back then we had those little buzzy alarm clocks which mm-hmm. which were manually operated yeah uh, there weren't microwaves there wasn't wi-fi well, the little um glow in the dark bit was uranium is that right <laughs> so yeah, wow. you know there was a radioactivity even in our own little alarm clocks yeah. and in our watches. Yeah, yeah. But it was significantly lower, right? Definitely. Towards modern time right yeah. now. So have you got any stats around how advanced all that stuff's become? Like is there like a percentage gain there's been in the last 30, 40, 50 years mm-hmm. of what the human body is actually, you know, um, being, under the effect of? Being subjected to? No, I don't um, because – Stats are being updated and changed all the time, and they're really contentious. Yeah, you know. So when once you start applying statistics, then all sorts of people come out and you know yeah, up course. in arms, and yeah, that's just nuts. Yeah. So um, you know, there's all sorts of research that's being done through PubMed, which is well regarded and well recognised, and then yep. the um, Building Biology organization through Europe, founded in Germany, has loads and loads of research available there, translated into English. Yep. So, you know, there's lots of research that's being done. Even the World Health Organization has got all sorts of um, minimum standards in there yep. to protect us, which a lot of countries don't recognize, Australia being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the mobile phone companies are meant to be self-monitoring to make sure it's safe but as long as they keep changing the frequency that the phones use then it's really difficult to prove that that was the frequency that caused the problem yeah, of course yeah so yeah, you yeah. know goalposts are moving all the time yeah that's every industry exactly <laughs> it's all about protecting the almighty dollar yeah hey looking at, at uh at countries like germany right who are generally leaders in in, in sure. these sorts of things who are a bit more you know forward thinking as far as um their health goes um what are they doing around this? Are they, are they becoming sort of um, international or political suggestions or are there devices being produced over there that emit less of these frequencies? Or is it, are, they, are they looking... Because I, I look at this a little bit the way I look at, say, um, um, you know, the effect of you know, global warming. You mm-hmm. know? Like we're becoming aware of these things now and with you know, like water and global warming and some of these sort of significant topics, um, people are looking ahead. 25, 30 years. Definitely. Starting to put things in place now. Is anyone putting anything in place to make sure that we don't have this, you know, 400% increase again in the next 15 years? Sounds like not. It sounds like it's actually going that way and there's not much we can do about it. There's a lot of people agitating to get change. Yeah. But the problem is there's a lot of companies and a lot of uh, governments that just don't want to go there because there's the fear that it's going to decrease revenue. Of course. So, so, so coming back to what uh, Dr. Kylie and I discussed when I was talking with her, 
a lot of this will come back once again to self-responsibility. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we don't want to take responsibility for ourselves. We want yep. to be able to blame somebody else. It's not my fault. I yep. didn't know about it. It's you know their problem. They yep. should have been taking care of me. Yes. How dare they? And as I did my course, uh, each subject, oh, I was just furious and would go through these just gut-wrenching Unjust mood moments. swings yeah. through thinking, oh, how can this be legal? How mm. can people be doing this? It's just nuts. Every subject, it was water pollution, it was air pollution, it mm. was electric fields, it was mold, it was just everything. And you think, oh, crap. You know, so it's like the seed production from Monsanto that, you know, if you save the seed from the wheat crop, it won't germinate. <laughs> so yeah. you have to buy wheat seed every year. Yeah. But how, what people can do in their home is basically keep it clean, keep the dust under control so that you're not building up a respiratory problem. Um, mold grows where there's water. Yeah. Everything is food for mold. You know, it doesn't matter what the cleaner is that you put on it, it is food in two weeks. Mm. So um, if you've got a leaking roof, that's got to be sorted. If You've got to clean your gutters. Yes. Um, particularly as we're getting these really heavy rainstorms now, which, you know, the average Adelaide home has two downspouts, one in, each, one in the opposite corners of the house and the gutters are all flat. And it's like, who thought that was a good idea in the 50s and 60s? Mm. You know, and it just cannot handle the volume of water. So it either runs off the outside of the gutter or it runs down the inside through the eaves and down the wall. So what does one do who has a home, whether they rent or own it? I find this a lot in renters, but what does one do when they live in a damp home? You know, a house that's covered with trees and faces the wrong direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I know a damp house the minute I walk in it before I even open their cupboards and things. Yeah. Some of these people are putting like those uh, closet camels in their, in their mm -hmm. closets and the things are producing water in a week, you know, like... Yep chuck them in the bin type thing. Yep. What, what, what are the best things people can do to actually eradicate mould in homes like this? It depends on where you're living. Um, uh, airflow is the best thing. Yeah. You know, so getting cross-ventilation going through. If you're in a little valley that uh, doesn't have a lot of airflow, then you may need to use a dehumidifier. Yes. Um, something to get the moisture out of the air. Um, that's one part of it. Um, equally, is stop the water getting into the home, and that's from rain or water leaks or flooding events. Mm. Um, with the torrential rains we've been having in Adelaide, some of the houses have been flooding. and I've been watching the news over the last couple of years, and we've had flood events in just about all the major cities. And every time this happens, you've got this toxic soup flowing in from effluent, road waste, um, all sorts of nasty stuff, chemicals, fertilizers, all sorts of stuff flowing through people's homes. Yeah, yeah. And you're meant to clean that and everything's good. How? <laughs> you know, so sure, you take up the carpet and then really you should take out the sheetrock. Yeah, that's right. And then there's another problem coming up and that's with methamphetamine. You know, last year, 744 houses were meth labs. What, you're saying I should stop cooking? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got my caravan for, mate. Exactly. <laughs> it's just well, a front for the meth lab. 
that's uh, a bit more mobile. But, you know, <laughs> if a house has been used as a meth lab, the contamination of those toxic chemicals yeah. is so per- pervasive yeah. through it you know what? I that think, it actually has to be demolished. I think they deserve it, though. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> if it's a rented if home. rented, it's a prior. Oh, no, I know. I'm just being facetious. I know. Yeah. And what happens is if it's a nice country home yep. on a big block of land, which is ideal, and a new family buys it. You're right, because they're looking for places that are out and about from town where they're yeah. less likely to get uh, pinned. Yeah. yeah, so they've bought this beautiful home that they think, oh, it's going to be great. We'll raise the family here. We'll get some horses, all that stuff. Yeah. And the kids start to bounce off the walls and get erratic and they're at school and their attention's off and, you know, they get all sorts of things. Yep. Oh, they've, 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 they've got ADHD, didn't you, here? Well, exactly. Yeah. And um, so then they do a drug test eventually and they find they've got the um, ice levels of an adult. And this is in a kid that's not actually taking the drug. That this is just from the environmental contamination. And that's legitimate, is it? I've never yeah. even heard of that before. Wow. It's been, um, lately it's been in the newspapers. Uh, I think Women's Weekly actually had a whole uh, two-page spread on it. You just dobbed yourself in for reading Women's Weekly, mate. Hey, it's in the waiting room. <laughs> um, it was a headline on the uh, front cover and, you know, I tend to yeah, pick look it at up and have like a look. That. That's how they pull you in, don't they? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's in my field. Yeah, of course. So, um, you know, there's some cheap tests to do for identifying meth. And I think it's a real upcoming problem because if somebody's even just smoking it in a house yep. that's a rental property. There'll still be residue? There's residue on the walls, uh, in the bedroom, if they're smoking in the bedroom. Yep. In the TV room above the, t- uh, above the lounge, you know, which is typically where people are smoking. Do you know what worries me about this? I read a stat um, only weeks ago, mm-hmm. and the stat said this, this was about, you know how now they're doing drug tests for drivers, right? Yeah. So now it's not just you know being tested for alcohol, now there's the, uh, the drug swab. They said that one in four drivers is drug affected. That's yeah. the statistic. Yeah. So if not you, one of the three cars around you statistically has someone who's high on drugs while they're driving. Yeah. And we know the driver that ICE has got now, right? So even if someone, you're right, isn't necessarily manufacturing ICE in their home, there is a reasonable likelihood that probably at least somewhere out there in the range of probably 20% mm-hmm. is being ICE smoked somewhere in an environment that you might move into. Exactly. Or in a car. Yeah. How many people buy a nice used car? Yep. From an auction house. Yep. Guess what? It might have been a drug bust. Mm. So everything gets impounded, sold, sent off to the auction house, and you buy a beautiful car for half price. Yep. But it sits in the sun for a while. But what was the price? And, you know, you jump in, start it up, the air conditioning blows all this crap out of the, uh, yeah, the vents, and yep. you're feeling a bit spun out and heady, and next thing you've been pulled over in a random testing and yep. have a really high ice content is that right yeah wow because the contamination's in the car so then you've got to strip out all the soft goods you know the carpet the seats Mm. and it's just a nightmare they're doing water tests of the wastewater going into the sewage works and they're doing the tests for different suburban areas to work out the concentration yep so that um they can work out which areas are actually uh, consuming more ice from water supply. 
from water waste. Oh, water waste. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So testing the samples that are going out towards your sewers. Wow. So there was a report that came out um, just mid-January that was talking about the amount of ice that's being used that's coming through in Adelaide's wastewater. Wow. That's scary, isn't it? Yeah. Things you'd never think of. That's thank, right. Thank God you're here. So talk about normal water, right? Because obviously the average person should be drinking sort of around two litres of water a day, you know, depending, of course, it's, uh, it, yeah. it, it varies. But if we've got someone who is drinking two litres of water a day and it comes from the tap at home, um, <laughs> you know, which most people do, do you know? And, and yeah. I don't want to get on the, you know, the, the wage of water uh, issue, but um, what are the sort of contaminants that are affecting people from um, normal water supply? Water companies spend a fortune on making sure that the water that we drink is safe to drink. Yep. With the amount of chemicals that they pump into it to make sure that it's pH neutral, that it's full of chlorine so that it controls all the bacteria, bacteria yep. and the microbes and the cysts and things that can form in it. However, you know, they can't filter out hormones yep. or drugs. Yep. So the whole water recycling idea is a bit odd because in the UK they did a test and found that Prozac actually gets through all the water I filtration plants. I read about the amount of antidepressants being found in water supply. Yeah. yeah. So we don't want to have recycled water, but then in Adelaide we drink a lot of River Murray water. So what's flowing into it through the length of the river? And we've... You know that river's brown, Rick. I know. <laughs> I've got reverse osmosis at home. Yeah, at least. Yeah. You know, we've got fluoride that's added to it, and if we look at the source of the fluoride, it's actually a chemical waste byproduct of the fertilizer industry. The mm. scrapings of the inside of the um, furnace um, chimneys. Sounds healthy. Yeah, they can't. They're not allowed to continue to burn it like that so they've got to have this uh, scrapers and so on installed because it's toxic waste once they scrape it out of the chimney they can't just dump it anywhere because it's toxic waste but they can sell it to councils so they'll just trickle feed it into the drinking water to provide fluoride for us mm, terrific as long as along with other heavy metals yep the idea that fluoride was originally added was that it would be a safe additive but it isn't because commercially that's not viable. Mm. And fluoride from the fertilizer, fertilizer industry is readily available and it's really dirt cheap because they want to give it away. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got all these toxins. Um, Maine's uh, distribution networks are either lead, asbestos, cement, um, PVC in some cases. Uh, and there's all sorts of contaminants that come in from that. Uh, copper was recently put through as a replacement for the galvanised pipes when they rusted out. Yes. Because the galvanised coating was only on the outside of the pipe to stop it from rusting from the outside, but mm. nothing was done from the inside. So we had heavy iron content yep. of the water, the rusty stain in the sinks, and the pipes gradually closed up. So then they came through and they put uh, copper pipe through but every time there was a join or something like that, it's lead solder that was used. So that <laughs> leaches out lead. Yeah. So, and, you know, once you start looking at lead, then lead paint, I mean, 
all house paint contained up to 50% lead until the mid-70s. 50%. Mm. And we've got all these home renovation shows that say, oh, what we're going to do is scrape all this paint off, we're going to do all this renovation. No safety masks, no lead test to determine how safe is this. So they're sanding off the paint or planing doors off. With a smile on their face. With a smile on their face and small kids running around. Yeah. You know, so the DIYers are exposing themselves to lead, asbestos, because oh, if I, you know, I don't look at it too much, how much harm can it cause? Yeah. And so we've got all these inbuilt problems. And so Australia's a country where we've developed this manly aspect of, you know, oh, she'll be right, mate. It's not going to be in my lifetime. Mm. But we've got all sorts of chemicals that didn't exist 20 years ago that are now in our foods. We've got lots of plastics which didn't exist 50 years ago. And in particular, the plastics are le leaching out phthalates and all sorts of other endocrine blockers. Disruptors, yep. Yeah, so then we wonder why our hormones are all out of whack. Yep. Why are girls going into puberty at nine? Yep. Why are boys not going into puberty? Yep. Because the estrogen too, is too high, or the phytoestrogens, the ones that mimic estrogen. Yep. And it's we've just got this chemical soup that's just nuts. And a lot of these issues are outside. This is before you've put things into your mouth, right? That's right. You know. Well, that, that you think of anyway. I know that you know when you start talking about uh, you know plastics and uh, and uh, estrogen-like compounds and things, you'll get them from the inside, you know, linings of tins and the like. You know, and people eat their tin of tuna and not think twice about it. That's do, right. Do you, do you look at those sorts of things as well? You're looking in people's cupboards, or you're just looking I more look at the in, environment. Definitely look in the cupboards and look yep. in the bathroom to see what chemical load they're putting on themselves with their shampoo, the yeah. conditioner, the soaps, and all yep. this stuff. Yep. Isn't that interesting too? People don't think about personal hygiene as a contaminant. You know, yeah. like women that are putting on, you know, um, makeup. foundation and their makeup and their lipstick and then all these things. It's, you know, it's a chemical shitstorm, really, isn't it? It really is. And so that's why, you know, the people that are really conscious of it, you know, back away from the mass produced chemicals. Are the mineral makeups any better for girls? Can be. Yeah. But it comes down to um, the company that's making it and checking out who they are and what are the ingredients that go into it. Yeah. But one of the problems is that China has a mandatory policy that if you're going to sell products into China and it's cosmetics or uh, personal care, that it must be um, tested on animals, mm -hmm. which means the ones that are traditionally not testing on animals have to then test on animals yep. in order to be able to sell the product into China. And so the activists that say, oh, we want products that aren't tested on animals. Well, you've got to take that with a pinch of salt. I would much prefer it's to have fun, something yeah. that was proven safe. Absolutely. Then yeah. tested on an animal because yeah. that animal's less likely to have a bad reaction to it. It's funny you say that. I'm all for animals uh, and I'm all for, you know, all species. And so yeah. I, I don't like the idea of people testing on animals and causing, you know, um, significant severe reactions, which, which we've all seen before. But I think the reality is that I, I'd much prefer animal testing than no testing whatsoever that my wife then applies to her face, you know, every single day, 365 yeah. days of a year, yeah. uh, not knowing that, of course, the skin is a porous organism that's absorbing these toxins back into our body. Well. Then we get into something like how toxic is something and there's a, a rating on 
um, most of the material safety data sheets, which says LD50. Yes, that's right, the lethal dose. And yeah. that's the lethal dose, at which point they increase the dose until 50% of the sample size die. Yes. At which point they then euthanize the rest. So they're not doing any long-term testing to see how long does the rest of them survive. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> What's the LD100? <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, so at such and such an exposure rate, what is the survival rate? Yeah. You know, and, and what is the effect? Because let's face it, we're not talking about death on this podcast. We're talking about people's well-being. Exactly. So for as long as you're alive, you're never a statistic really, are you? You know? Right. And, and, and let's also face it too, that the cognitive dysfunction mm. is not anything that makes any statistical evidence. No, no one's doesn't. worried about your brain fog. No one's worried about your fatigue. But there's an increase in Alzheimer's. Yeah, that's right. Which is now a disease, which is measurable. Exactly. Or there's, there's, a, a or, or there's, a, there's an increase in, like you said, your breast cancer, which is yeah. now measurable. But of course, no one's able to actually measure it in association with a single contaminant or a single exactly. etiology. Yeah. So now we fall into that thing where no one can ever say what was what because it could be one of a thousand Definitely. different things. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, a, it's a real shit fight. Yeah. Um, what else have we got in the household? So I just want to have a bit of a, I guess, a recap first. So we're looking at EMF and you're, you're trying to advise people that they should stay within sort of away from two meters exposure yeah. particularly when they're sleeping and whatnot from alarm clocks that's right what about things like laptops and the like and people now sitting up not watching country practice anymore they're sitting on their bloody lounge on you know, on well, facebook a, until midnight as a massage therapist we used to have quite strong uh, oc health safety positional um, ergonomics about yeah. using a computer that's all gone out the window because the laptop sits on our lap. Yeah. And that's where the battery is, it's where the power supply is, it's where the hard disk is. Yes. And all this is generating an electric field right on our genitals. Mm. Well, that's not a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so, uh. you know, we can buy um, laptop supports and things and you can put a little bit of um, a metal piece of metal on that, yeah. which helps... Reflect that up into your fingertips, yes, which is better than going into your genitals and legs. Yeah, um, so that aspect's not good. Um, but a computer is therefore better on a table, right? Yeah, you better definitely. just sit at a table, like even if it's, it's like your breakfast distance. bench or somewhere like that. Sure. You can sit there where you've got at least sort of a an arm's length distance away from the screen. Yeah, um, and and of course, is there any benefit these days? I guess with having um, smart TVs now, where people can kind of YouTube and Facebook and stuff like on their telly, where it's so much further away than the computer. It's an advantage, but. Um, trying to read text on that isn't necessarily easy. No, that's right. So you put your computer or your phone in anyway. Yeah. Yep. So people tend to be on the phone or on a uh, tablet yep. while they're watching television. Okay. And this is the latest stats yep. coming up with how people are inter integrating um, social media with their viewing experience. <laughs> so it's not just one medium now. It's not exactly know, multiples. Not exactly mindfulness, is it? No. You know? No, so not at all. What's, what's better or worse from a mobile phone perspective, which people are glued to, you've only got to you know, walk outside and there they are, yeah. um, in relation to, say, a laptop, in relation to a desktop? Desktop's best, yep. uh, as long as you don't have the old CRT monitor, which can just produce a huge magnetic field out and you know, cook your head. Yes. Some, um, a lot of the uh, flat screens are a lot lower 
uh, EMF production, so they're a lot safer. And to you can sit further away too, of course, because yeah. generally you've got a mouse in your hand and you can be a good kind of metre away from the screen. Exactly, and it's big enough so it can be further back so you yep. can view it all. Yep. So then the next thing is the laptop, and ideally that's plugged in to the internet. Yes. By wire. Yep. Uh, which you isn't know, gonna happen, let's face it. <laughs> it's a it's a tough one. Yeah. You know, unless somebody's sensitive. Yes. Um, all of this gets ignored. Yep. And that's what typically happens. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, until you're not. Would would and you say changes. before we continue, would you say for someone that does suffer from non specific fatigue, non specific cognitive dysfunction, non specific sleep disturbance, et cetera, et cetera, where it's not yeah. you know, necessarily linked to anything. How long would someone need to remove all this crap out of their life for a while until they're actually able to evidence it themselves to know whether it's related to their current symptoms? How long would I need to not do these things for? Yeah. Get my drift to test it. And that's the interesting thing because we don't know whether it's which part of the environment it is. Is it the chemicals? Is it the electric fields? Is it the mold? Yeah. So if you go out and you spend a week in a hotel what's around you in that environment and yes. some of the hotels have the uh, air conditioning unit in the wall or in the window and that's yep. just dripping wet all the time and that's got its own mold, mold problems yep so if Good you can is, drop guess, it out for uh, a couple of weeks yep um well, ho hotels are you're out of right you're there for a couple of nights maybe a week maybe that's two right. right but then you're gone the two prime environmental places are going to be our workplace and our home that's yeah? right Exactly. So, so we, we have less say at work because mm -hmm. no one gives a shit, let's face it. But at home, we, we have the bulk of our say, and our home is somewhere we, we spend the bulk of our time, really. It in really, really is. And in relation we to. We think of it as work. our sanctuary, but, you know, is it poisoning us? Yeah, well, it's not if it's killing you, is it? Yeah. So, I mean, getting on top of the chemicals that we're exposed to. Yeah. Um, Getting on top of the electric fields. From a chemical perspective, just before we head forward, yep. are people better off to be using, you know, the uh, the natural um, biodegradable um, home cleaners that you can get from health, like the Enviro Cares and Enviro Cleans and these things, than they are Jif and Domestos? Definitely, because yep. you want to look through, and we've all heard this a lot, the ingredients. Um, the sodium laurel sulfates, you want yeah. to keep away from anything that looks remotely like SLS yep. on the ingredient list. Um, the lesser the number of ingredients, the better. Uh, cleaning products, you know, vinegar is brilliant. Yeah. Um, if you've got hardwood floors, floors, a little bit of methylated spirits in water. Yep. Um, pledge, you know, Pinoclean, things like that are all just nasty chemical yep. messes that leave residues and you know then your baby crawls around in it mm. um, these brilliant um, compact fluorescent lights um, we all knew that the uh, fluorescent tubes had mercury vapor in them and we were quite careful about disposing of them and they rarely failed but the compact fluorescents fail regularly yeah and if you happen to drop one of those in a workplace Technically, Oc Health and Safety require a hazmat suit. Is that right? Because of the mercury vapour. But if you drop that in your home, you vacuum it up and Get it's all good. It. Yeah. Your baby then comes past and crawls by and might happen to sit there and then suck his thumb, you know, having just crawled through that area where there's this tiny content of mercury. Yes. And you're wondering, you know, why suddenly they might be autistic. Yeah. 
and you blame the vaccinations, but as, you know, the overall Could chemical loading. Yeah, yeah, from everywhere else. What's it going on? Yeah. So, you know, it's watching our chemical exposure by keeping an eye on what the ingredients we're using. There's a lot of really good old school cleaning products. Um, getting away from the ammonia, yep. the bleaches, things that are toxic. This, that is, where I, this is where I find the volatile oils particularly um, effective. It's, and there's so many good things just on Google now. You can you know, type in, you know, like um, um, natural household cleaning yeah. products and natural carpet cleaners and mm-hmm. the like, and you'll find that there's going to have a lot of volatile oils and you're right, your vinegars and, and the like, and they, they work well, like really Tea well. Tea oil really does well Kills everything. an atomizer. Yeah. To knock the mold spores out. Yeah. Yep. I use tea tree direct on mold. I'll, yep. I'll sort of put some into a spray bottle and just mm-hmm. st- st- on the roof and then just wipe it off. And People amazing. love bleach because it goes away, you can't see it. But yep. guess what? Bleach, by its nature, just makes it white yes. or clear. So you can't see it. It's yep. still growing. Yep. It's happy. <laughs> it's got a new dose of food. Well, that's nice. <laughs> so bleach does not work yep. for mold. Okay. The only thing that works for mould is keeping it dry. Yep. And if it's dry, it can't grow. So no water and airflow. Yep. Yeah, cool. What else we got? I'm looking on your card here and um, you're talking about um, pathogens. What sort of pathogens are you discussing? Pathogens, these are the things that might be in air if you're living in a built-up city underneath the jet path. Yes. You know, it's shit that falls out of the sky. It's living next to a road where the exhaust fumes, the diesel fumes, the tyre particles. Um, Sydney recently uh, was doing um, a show where they were actually testing lead samples from the soil in backyards adjacent to a road before doing um, a landscaping project. And this is all from the lead in petrol that we no longer use that had all fallen out into our soils. Great. So lead doesn't go away. Yeah. So it's just sitting in our soils waiting for us to go and play in it. Mm. Um, so what do you advise people who do live in jet paths and do live, you know, next door to, you know, main roads where, you, where you've got truck diesel bit and blown there all day long? Other than move, of course, are there things that these people can be doing to protect themselves? It's air filters, ionizers things within the home to um, control that airflow. I mean, it's a really tricky thing because we want fresh air flowing through, yep. but it's picking the time of day. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Just don't pick, you know, early morning pick or late up. afternoon, do you? Exactly, exactly right. And, and that's got to have a significant reduction in toxic Definitely. load. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, don't send your kids to a daycare or kindergarten that's right on the busiest road. road. Yeah. Because... There are studies that show that diesel fumes play a huge part in respiratory problems yep. in children. Yep. And if that you know daycare centre is right on a busy road at the traffic lights, and we've got one coming up here in Adelaide at uh, McGill Road and Portrush Road, there's this massive site that's like an intersection, yeah, like a big intersection or big intersection. It's a major truck route. Yep. And they're plonking a you know, childcare right there on that corner. Mm. And that's nuts. Yeah. But hey, it's going to be it's cheap. <laughs> no, no, it'll be expensive. You put the rest of your money towards looking after your kid when they're sick. Yeah. Wow. So, anyway, it's all gloom and doom, and that's what, you know, really 
um, affected me in my studies was, you know, struggling through that and yeah. trying to work out, okay, how do we turn this around so that there's a positive aspect for people when I go in and visit them so that it's not like, oh, I'm sorry, really, you're stuffed. Yep. And you know what, other than moving your home, you know, like uprooting yourself and actually moving to a better environment, which I'm all for, you know, and, and yeah. I have advised and, and I have seen happen and people are much healthier and happier for it. So people aren't, aren't ever just stuck, you know, like I'll, I'll completely admit that to begin with. But for people who may be on like a, uh, you know, government contract for a few years somewhere, they've, sure. been, they've been put into a home uh, and, you know, they need to be there because financially it's paid for and there's no way out of it. Or people that are in um, public housing for the same mm-hmm. scenario that just don't have choice. They people do exist unfortunately yeah they do while these people don't have necessarily like you're right they can open and close their door at certain times of day uh, which is making a good personal judgment but we can't always be completely aware of our air quality it's not something that, that we've got control over necessarily yet we can control our water quality to some degree, even just with basic filters. You're right for like chlorines and, yep. and, and these sorts of things. It, it helps. It's not, it's not perfect. It's not like a Kangen water or an RO-based water or something. Exactly. I get that, but it's better and it's cost effective. There's one thing. The second thing, of course, is to um, protect from the amount of chemicals that we actually use ourselves. Mm-hmm. So you're talking personal hygiene products. Yep. Um, I'm big on sunscreens too. I, I don't like sunscreen um, whatsoever. new research saying that nanoparticles aren't good for us. Yeah, you, you talk um, endocrine disruption and yeah. uh, it's it's big time in, in sunscreen and, sure. and you know what daycare is a classic for that right because no one wants a burnt kid but that's right. um, you know slapping that crap all over your body other than um, you know disrupting vitamin D synthesis and the like that it's, it's just it's not on but um, people can control that to some degree with more of the uh, the what is it the slip and, and the and the slap rather than the yeah. slop but in Queensland they're also really mindful of the um poisons that are in the sunscreens that are actually killing the reef. Yes. From people yeah, that are swimming, runoff, snorkeling exactly. and so on. Yeah, yeah. So uh, minimising, and I'm not saying don't use sunscreen, um, for sure. There are better sunscreens you can use. You can even make your Definitely. own sunscreens, which can be uh, which can be reasonable. Just with zinc oxide and yeah. coconut oils and these sorts of things. They're also available online. But um, yeah, the amount of chemicals we use, the, the, the foods we cook with, um, you know, less tins, uh, less packet yeah. foods, yep. these sorts of things. Um what else we got? How can we wrap up? Well, it's keeping our houses dry, well ventilated, um, good cross breeze, um, good source of water, um, water filters. We've talked about that. Air filters, maybe. Humidifiers, possibly, if you've got a wet house or yep. you've got a place that's exposed to a main road where you can't exactly. open up and get that cross flow as effectively. Yep. yep. Um, and, and it's funny with children, you know, like when you look at like, um, you know, kids with asthma and stuff, you know, humidifiers have been used for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and people are like, oh, wow, that works really well. And sometimes it might just be the fact it's just cleaning the air up, right? Yeah. And, you know, we've got swamp coolers, which are really work well in the nor- northern parts of Australia. But in Adelaide, well, it's mixed, you know, mixed views as to whether that is increasing our water in our homes yeah. too much. Yeah. You know, so it's playing that by ear and making sure that you do have the windows and doors open as you've got your um, swamp cooler working. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back through it, it's watching the chemical loading um, reducing our exposure to electric fields, um, being a bit smarter about it, and realistically, research online. Uh, there's a lot of great research uh, being done. Uh, building biology is a good start term to put in there. 
looking at, um, you know, the mould, the electric frequencies, the chemical loading, the water, air filters. Uh, it's, it's about it. Yeah, pretty much. Primary. Then we start going towards personal choices, of course, with food, nutrition and, and all the rest. But yeah. so, you know what? It's been most fascinating, Rick. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm sure people have learned an awful lot. Um, people can at least go and self-critique now, walk around their environment. That's right. It's funny, you know, I, I built a house. Um, no, I, I haven't even got into building materials. Yeah, no, we, we won't worry about that one just now. But I, I built a house 10 years ago, and uh, I had I had two things I found with that. Um, beautiful home, um, hanging over the ocean, lots of ventilation, really beautiful. Um, one one part of the home at the very bottom was on a small concrete slab. The rest of yep. it was all bearers and joists. And um, I put a water filter in, which was an RO system yep. uh, that I got a friend of mine, Tony. And uh, I put the RO system in, and after about four months, um, went to get some water, and wasn't it was like dribbling out of the out of the tap. Anyway, I rang Tony up and I said, "Mate, what's going on here? I've I've got an issue. My water's not working." And he said, "Oh, you must have a uh, a kinked hose." So obviously, the RO systems are quite large, as you're aware. Mm-hmm. Some underneath, you know, going through all these, you know, yep. pre-filters and sediment filters and yep. and all the like. And there wasn't a kinked hose. And he's scratching his head on the other end of the line. He said, "Mate, do me a favour." He said, "Just take out your pre-filter." Yep. So I screwed off the pre-filter, um, not knowing what it should look like because he installed it, and it was this black slimy thing. And um, and I said, oh, mate, it's it's filthy. It's it's almost like half an inch thick of just like black grease. He said, mate, that should be white. So anyway, he he sent me a new one of which, yes, it was white and and uh, almost like a clothy material. That's right. Yeah. And um, yeah, put it in and water started working again. So all it was is my pre-filter was clogged with shit in a brand new home. Yeah. That was my first thing. Second thing was we started getting mold on the floor downstairs in our yeah. fourth bedroom on the tiles. Yep. And uh, beautifully ventilated home, you know, yep. no issues whatsoever but getting mold. And I actually found the mold was coming up through the concrete slab. Because it wasn't dry. Correct. And on the outside, so um, outside that fourth bedroom wall, you could actually look out on the slab. And over the years that followed, that slab went completely green. Yeah. So uh, anyway, we sold that home to some other poor bugger that can worry about it now. But um, yeah. yeah, that was just a, a good effect of a nice home in a very um, you know, sunny, well-ventilated region and still had issues. So it's not like this is necessarily an old place, you know, in a, yeah. a dingy street somewhere with no sunlight. Well, commercial buildings, tilt wall goes up so quickly. And if that hasn't had a time to cure properly, yep. that just, you know, lets so much moisture out into the indoor environment and with a tin roof... It then condenses and falls down like rain inside the building. Yes, you said something before before we actually started recording about um about rainwater tanks. <laughs> yeah, tell us about that one. Because uh, people that live on acreages, people that don't have town water, farms, these sorts of things, they've got a few different kind of issues than we have, right? And everyone thinks rainwater is this amazing magic thing. safe comes product. down. Oh no, it's rainwater, mate. You can drink it. Tell yeah, us about rainwater. Can. Well, in the city. Um, people are starting, well, it's mandatory to have a 1,000 litres on every new build, yeah. which is typically plumbed into the toilet, which is great because we're not drinking it. Yeah, it's for grey water. Um, yeah. But, you know, rainwater catches all the crap that's on the roof, all the chemicals from, you know, traffic, jets, everything yep. else. Yep. And you need to have a large tank for that to just naturally all break down. Mm. But if there's a fire in the area and they're using fire dispersants and inhibitors and things and that's on your rainwater catchment area then that's a big problem for you yes uh rainwater tanks should be filtered so that uh cysts um aren't 
and bacteria is not building up in that. I mean, it's quite easy to get the water tested. That's not hugely expensive. Mm -hmm. But um, it's just another thing that just inks away at our health so that we're not quite as robust as we could be. Yeah, yep. Outside of cognitive issues and fatigue, what are the prime things you find are environmentally related for people that they complain of? The... New term is chronic inflammatory response syndrome, CIRS, mm -hmm. which kind of covers the wide range of uh, multiple sclerosis, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, um, wide range of... Really Autoimmune disease. Yeah. Allergy. Yep. Very diverse range of stuff that's hard to pinpoint what the cause is, but the body's got this inflammatory response. And it might be a respiratory response, it might be a skin disorder... Um, alopecia, yep. all sorts of things, which is hair falling out. So there's all sorts of things that can come about. And it's all about the individual's genetic makeup as to how that manifests for one person compared to the other, to which the is why yep. it's so hard for doctors in three minutes to identify what the hell the problem is. Hey, look, I think at the end of the day, you know, you, you talk like something like alopecia or MS or whatnot, um, we, we're not naturally going to go towards environmental measures, are we? No. You know, And that's not the, uh, the, the purpose of today's podcast. It's more to understand that environmentally there are factors that need to be considered. Mm -hmm. I find just from a, uh, a process of elimination, typically by myself or like a holistic doctor or somewhere we'll go, we'll never look at envir environmental factors first, much like the, the lady that taught you that you were talking about yeah. beforehand. It's too it's, difficult. It's, it's generally something that's you know, away from where we'll go because, yeah, you're right, we don't do home visits. you know, no. um, And so for the people out there who need to exercise their own self-responsibility who live in this place just start having a look around guys you know go yeah. room to room look in your cupboards you know observe if there's any mold you know make sure you know that outside you've got uh, you know access to, to good clean air if you don't be cautious of when mm -hmm. and when you keep your windows open and closed yep. and uh, yeah you know, I think honestly uh, water's it's quite possibly the most valuable commodity we have. And yeah. uh, I, I still can't believe people drink tap water. Uh, I know mm. it's a great issue of contention and everyone sort of laughs and it goes back to the old um, Avian days, you know, when people would spend three bucks on a bottle of water, everyone would laugh. And I'm not at all an advocate of bottled spring water because I think it's got its own um, issues for us that we could delve into another time. Yeah. Yet we need to be yeah. you know, cautious of the fact that the water we're having is at least basically filtered for a lot of these contaminants and heavy metals and chlorines and the like that you were talking about and yeah chemical load i think from personal hygiene mm -hmm. uh, and the um our exposure to emf and plastics they're the big ones you know because yeah. plastics is underrated and all the plastic products that release the endocrine blockers yes absolutely you know, so this is a real ongoing health problem for people yep so don't put plastic in the microwave ever absolutely you know don't ideally, leave a bottle of water in the hot sun yeah, <laughs> you know, don't reuse that uh, disposable pet bottle. Yeah. You know, it's designed to be single use and then it starts breaking down. Yes. It's biodegradable. Yeah, you so, use glass. Yeah. Despite the fact it might smash, but, you know, once again, it's a convenience factor. Anyway, thank you, Rick. Uh, awesome. Um, great to have you on the show. Hope thank you like that one, guys. Uh, I hope that gives you a few things to think about inside your work and home environments. And I'll look forward to talking to you next Monday on Caravan Conversations. Till then, see you later.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Caravan Conversations, proudly produced by PSE Supplements. To see more about the podcast, including notes from the episode, please visit caravanconversations.com.